It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. On our show today, a funeral home in Thunder Bay indigenizes funeral services for its First Nations clients. Also today on the show, Toronto Raptors no longer have Kawhi Leonard, but they have always had superfan Nav Bataille. Nav joins us later in the program. But to start off our show, funeral services. A funeral service is our final way to say goodbye to a loved one. It's a difficult time for the family, and by extension, it could be said that it's a difficult time for the people in charge of the funeral service for the family. Making sure the family requests are met and the service is correct, respectful, and has no mistakes. Todd Dara is manager of the Jenkins Funeral Home in Thunder Bay. Jenkins has been serving the Thunder Bay area for over 90 years, and because of its proximity to many First Nations, they service many First Nation clients. That means their services incorporate First Nations practices. Todd joins us on the line from Thunder Bay. Hi, David, and... Hi, David, and thank you for having me um, and interest in what we're doing in Thunder Bay. Well, it is, uh, I, I can't say it's unusual because, as I pointed out, you are in an area where you do have a lot of, uh, a lot of First Nations in the, in the region, so by that you, you would obviously service a lot of First Nations people. Well, with the increasing number of Indigenous families within Thunder Bay, um, we've tried to respond uh, to the community by offering families meaningful ways to remember and celebrate the lives of everyday Canadians. Um, just to give you a background, uh, a little background, in, uh, we have a population in Thunder Bay of about 110 people, and uh, we have about 13% which identify as being Aboriginal. Um, this is an increase from about eight years ago of about 5%. Hmm. So our community is changing quite quickly, and we expect within the next 10 years uh, the population will continue to increase dramatically. So, as, as I mentioned, and, and if, uh, you, you have pointed out, uh, even on your website, there's pictures of, of Indigenous services being uh, conducted. And something that you've done, I guess, is, is implement the, uh, the sacred fire pit that you have, have there on your, on your grounds for these services to be done. Absolutely. Um, Arbor Memorial has uh, deep roots within many Canadian com- uh, communities across the country and we serve over 25,000 families a year with customized services that suit uh, their needs. And uh, the Sacred Fire is just one of the um, added value um, services that we are starting to provide to the Indigenous community of Thunder Bay. When did that get implemented with the Sacred Fire? When was that put in? Um, we, uh, had, uh, we had the Sacred Fire blessed um, it was uh, July 24th and 25th by Elder Jerry Baxter, who's from Fort William First Nations here in Thunder Bay. Mm. For people that aren't familiar with the region of Thunder Bay and the First Nations that are around you, uh, yeah. do you have a, do you ha- can you give us a, a bit of a rundown in terms of, of those communities? Do you know them that are around your area? Um, there's so many of them. We <laughs> actually deal with uh, probably close to 30 uh, remote communities uh, mm-hmm. in our area. Um, now, w- when I say that, um, we often um, conduct a service in Thunder Bay with viewing and uh, the funeral itself, 
and most times we are uh, placing the casket upon uh, um, a chartered plane and flying back to the remote reserves. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, am I correct? Because I'm guessing with when a person uh, passes away, um, that there is it's it's required for people, I guess, to deal with a funeral home. Is is that correct? Um, it is possible that you're allowed to, if it's your family member, to look after um, the arrangements and the organization of things, but. Generally speaking, I've been funeral directing for over 30 years, and um, uh, it's a lot for a family to look after. Uh, The death of a loved one is especially tough, and uh, we help families through this difficult time by giving them expert guidance. You know, and and I I recognize what you just said there in terms of it being a difficult time, and, and that does put, I'm guessing, uh, and it takes a certain kind of person to work in your line of work because you are mostly dealing with people in a heightened state of of uh, of, of uh, trauma, uh, I guess you might say, when, when they are dealing with this uh, because they have so many things on their mind. Absolutely. Um, at Jenkins Funeral Home, we feel that our role within the community is to treat lost loved ones and their families with high respect and high standards. With a funeral, you only have one opportunity to get things uh, organized and correct. And so um, it's one of those things that uh, treating families with respect is uh, very important to us. Now, you mentioned that there's been an increase uh, of at least Indigenous people identifying in Thunder Bay area that's risen from 5 to 13 percent in a a rather short period of time, uh, and thereby you you recognizing that and and incorporating things. Um, But were you always open to, I mean, because when a person comes with the the death of a loved one, they they certainly want uh, certain, certain practices implemented, I'm guessing. Absolutely. Um, We've always been open to um, the needs of individual families. However, uh, we haven't always been educated on traditions and practices uh, of the families. Um, I have uh, a funeral assistant that works for Jenkins Funeral Home. Uh, Her name is Tiffany Byers, and uh, she is from uh, uh, an Aboriginal background and has educated myself and staff on the needs that the community has and their traditions. Um, it's been very important because we have so many families that are being sent to Thunder Bay for health and education purposes. And, uh, in fact, this past year we had... Um, I believe over 1,200 people from Pekanjikum First Nation uh, due to forest fire evacuations. So many people are coming to Thunder Bay for different various reasons, and um, Tiffany has been able to uh, explain to us the need for cedar baths, smudging services, uh, special uh, ribbon skirts, Um, We have prayer ties that we now offer. In fact, we started offering prayer ties to these families maybe about three months ago, and we've already, uh, Tiffany's already made handmade 
over 2,000 of them that uh, uh, have gone out within the past three months. So um, that's sort of uh, our education. And unless you have somebody um, knowing what we do on a day-to-day basis and knowing what our families that we're serving um, requires, um, we, we, we're not learning and we're not progressing as a funeral home. And uh, so uh, with Arbor Memorial, we're very for, um, forward-thinking uh, in, in how to best um, help the families that we do serve, you know. Um, Arbor Memorial, is that a, what's that part of Jenkins? Um, Arbor, Arbor Memorial is um, a family-owned Canadian company um, that it's owned by the Scanlon family, and it has um, uh, helped uh, many communities uh, across the country whereby families don't have, uh, you know, private families don't have someone to uh, leave the funeral home too, and um, rather than it going to uh, you know an American company or anything like this, the Scanlon family has uh, helped out by uh, uh, continuing on with the services that the the uh, for example Jenkins family has provided for as you said over ninety years. Mm. Okay, great. Um, you're listening to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and on the line with us is Todd Dara. He's the manager of Jenkins Funeral Home in Thunder Bay. We're grateful that he joined us. Uh, they are starting to offer more uh, indigenized funeral services, and one of those things they've done is, uh, as Todd mentioned earlier in the show, that they have now incorporated a sacred fire area on their grounds uh, so that that is available for people who wish to incorporate more of a traditional type of service for their loved ones as they send them on. And uh, Todd, I, I just, you know, if you don't mind, I'd like to to uh, talk a little bit about the generalities of your service. It's not often that we do get to talk with someone in your line of work, as I'm sure you can appreciate. I understand. And um, I'm sure that there are, uh, you mentioned education earlier about uh, learning different cultures and learning, I guess, and now, uh, quite a bit about the indigenous uh, peoples and and what they require from from that. Have what have you learned from that process so far? Yeah, I don't mean specifics, but generally, what have you learned from that process of of being exposed and educated in terms of indigenous services and people? Absolutely. Um, well, nearly half of the families that we serve come from the indigenous community. And we're always looking for a way to give back added value services to our families. And um, what we realize is that we grieve all of us individually in different ways. And so we've, we've educated our staff to understand that no matter what background we come from, uh, we, uh, we as funeral directors... Uh, need to support the families, um, and we need to make them welcome with their traditions, their customs. Um, no matter who we are, we're we're all um, affected by uh, the death of a loved one, and um, uh, I always uh, invite my staff to uh, come up with ways that we can 
continue to give back to our community. And um, we do this in an informal setting. And one of the things that we decided is that we would bring in um, Aboriginal art. In fact, we uh, have a totem pole that uh, one of the local artists has created. And um, I think by welcoming families, that's the first step in uh, making them comfortable. And certainly, uh, you have to place your trust in a funeral director. And... um, making them welcome to our facility and uh, understanding their needs is so important at this time. How long of a of a relationship is there once, you know, you get the word that someone has passed on and they need to have a service provided? How, yeah. like, what's the length of time that someone would be involved with the funeral home? And, and you know, you is would... it is once you send that, that casket or that, that person off, as you've mentioned, you put... put some of these people on planes and send them off to the remote communities. Is that the end of things? How do you continue or is there, yeah? Well, uh, that's a very good question. Um, In fact, I had just read an article that stated that most families, in order for them to have their funeral conducted the way that they want and their wishes followed through, it takes 40 man hours of funeral directors and funeral assistants to accomplish the job uh, properly. With that, what I mean um, from the time of the phone call to the funeral home to the arranging, the coordinating of the details, the actual physical uh, dealing with the decedent, um, the actual helping of the family, organizing legal paperwork, uh, that type of thing, it is um, 40 man-hours that they are suggesting that goes into each and every funeral. Now, with that, um, once the family has gone back to the reserve and conducted their their final burial um, for the decedent, um, we still have uh, contact with the family in that uh funeral director's proofs of death certificates, candidate pension plan, death benefit, uh, many forms. We call it aftercare, and um, we we still have uh, are in touch with the family for a number of number of visits. Um, it's not as cut and dried as what people think. Um, it's more more so ongoing, and of course, there's always grief counselors that we. Uh, can set our families up with. We have a a program where we have every three months a grief counselor that does um, group support uh, services here in Thunder Bay at Jenkins. And um, so it it is ongoing. It's not, um, you know, just in and have the service and then out. We're very much in touch with our families and we get to know them on a one-on-one basis. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, now, you mentioned uh, trust is a big part of, of this relationship, uh, and I can certainly understand that. Uh, as we talked about, when people come into to, to your business, they are possibly distraught. They're, they have a lot of things on their mind that they're dealing with, plus the grief that they're going through as well. Um, so I, I guess what i'm saying is you're 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 in charge of this per of these this this family member's body 
to be taken care of. And if I'm not mistaken, there are there are certain things that have to be, uh, I guess, done with that body in your care. Definitely. And um, again, we um, promote added value services to all of our families, whether cremation or burial, um, the traditions um, of the uh, families is very important. Um, and so um, I would have to say that it's um, tremendously important that we do the, the care of the decedent and follow through with the wishes of the family. Hmm. Okay, well, that sounds like a good spot for us to take a short pause, Todd. So please uh, stay with us on the line. We're just going to take a short pause, and we will be right back here on Moment of Truth on Element FM with Todd Dara. He's the manager of Jenkins Funeral Home in Thunder Bay. Stay with us. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. On the line with us from Thunder Bay is Todd Dara. He is the manager of the Jenkins Funeral Home in Thunder Bay. We've been talking about how they have started to indigenize their funeral services for their First Nations clients, of which they serve up to approximately 50% of their clients uh, of Indigenous people. And uh, that is in the Thunder Bay area, uh, an increase, as as Todd pointed out, of uh, an increase from 5% to about 13% of people identifying in the Thunder Bay area. Now, I don't think it's a, a big surprise to any of us that, that we, we do know that there is a large uh, population of Indigenous people in the Thunder Bay area for sure. And there are, as Todd pointed out earlier in the program, many First Nations in the area. And, of course, he also deals with remote areas going further north, uh, fly-in communities and those kinds of things as well. Absolutely. Um, Todd, if you don't mind, it, you know, what made you want to get into this line of work? How did you know you wanted to get into this line of work? Yeah, I um it's interesting. I had a death in my family of my grandfather and um I played the bagpipes and um I had played for his service and um I had watched the funeral directors very closely. Um uh, well, the service was going on in the funeral home. Um, I had to go out and tune my bagpipes for the end of the service and and for the graveside service. And uh, with that, I, I was able to see the funeral directors uh, tending to um, detailed um, uh, things that needed to be um, tended to while the service was going on. And it, it sparked an interest in me uh, that um, I wanted to help families and uh, become someone that families could trust and know that uh, I learned from my grandfather's passing that, um, you know, every family deserves to be treated with respect and dignity and how much my family appreciated uh, the help that we were given at the time and uh, I just wanted to um, better better things for the funeral industry. Mm. Now, just in case uh, someone out there is, is interested in what you've just described and thinks that, hey, maybe that's something I wouldn't mind checking out, um, what kind of training or education do you need to go through to become uh, you know, someone involved with the, the funeral industry? And, and Well, uh, very important. It is a good idea to contact your local funeral home and um, get in touch with them and ask them, 
to spend, be able to spend some time um, before you go into uh, the college course, which is at um, Humber College in Toronto for Ontario. Um, they require you actually to spend 40 hours in a funeral home to make sure that um, the interest that you have is, is justified. And so um, I would encourage any, anyone that is interested to um, to seek that opportunity to spend time. Now, the course is a, at this point, it's a year in school, and then it's followed by your apprenticeship. And so then once you graduate from school, then uh, you have licensing uh, with the Ontario Board of Education uh, um, uh, education and uh, you actually secure an Ontario license. Now, um, it, it's so important your apprenticeship year. Um, uh, it's nice to go to school and, and learn the technical things that you need to and, and the legal uh, things, but I think hands on is very important in the funeral industry and. Um, so it's it's I would encourage anyone that is interested to uh, talk to their local funeral home funeral director and see if they can't spend a, a little bit of quality time, uh, whether it be you know in the evening or or throughout the day. Um, of course, this is a 24-hour business, and so it's uh, uh, something that you want to make sure that you're um following uh what you what what you're thinking is is for you. Mm, right. Well said. Todd, I appreciate you sharing that with us and uh giving that information out. I also appreciate you coming on the show and sharing uh what you've been doing in Thunder Bay regarding indigenous services and uh, helping them feel more at home with indigenizing some of those services. So uh thanks once again for joining us on the program. Well, thank you. Um we've received many calls and thanks from various uh, local chiefs and band members. In fact, we were gifted an eagle feather from one of the elders here in Thunder Bay for smudging purposes. And so we know uh, that we're on the right track by um, having people interested in the changes that we're making mm. within the funeral industry for the Indigenous uh, communities. Nice way to end the program. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks David again. Moses, David Moses, thank you very much for your time and interest in uh, what we're doing here in Thunder Bay. Miigwech. That is Todd Dara. He is the manager of the Jenkins Funeral Home in Thunder Bay. Now, don't go away. We will be right back on this program with Nav Bita. He is, of course, the Toronto Raptors super fan. So don't go away. He'll be joining us right after this. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. It was a very exciting season for the Toronto Raptors who brought home an NBA championship, and it was the first time a team outside the U.S. border won the championship. Well, as we all know now, Kawhi Leonard was a big part of that win, but he has now left the Raptors. However, someone who has always been with the team and who has created a bit of a name for himself in the Toronto area is, of course, superfan Nav Batia. And Nav Batia is on the line with us right now. I'm not sure where he is at this time, but he has joined us on the line. We are grateful that he has done so. Nav, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me on. And I'm in uh, Toronto, downtown Toronto. Mm. So, Nav, you know, it's been quite a ride for you, I take it. Uh, basketball, I, I, I don't think you, you would have thought that basketball would have uh, got a name for you. Uh, you're not a player. <laughs> uh-huh. That's 
sure you got it right. You know, you're very right. I mean, 24 years ago when I started my first game, uh, you know, I, I, I went there for the sake of entertainment, relaxation, and chilling, you know, that's all. And being a part of a new team, Raptors, which came here in 95. And 24 years later, here we are, myself, without missing a game, without being late for a game, me without leaving a game early, me being a part of only when we were losing by maybe 15 or 20 points at the fourth quarter and still sitting there till the referees went away. Here we are the champions for 2019 now. Yeah, so I have to ask you, you know, there a lot of stories have been done on you and there's a lot of uh, coverage of, of you as a fan and the things that you've collected over the years, the people you've met. It's done quite a bit for you in that regard, that's for sure. Yes, it is. It's an amazing, it's a, like I said, it has, it has been a very good journey for me. Now, and Nav, um, I have to ask, you you obviously uh, are an immigrant to Canada. You came here uh, in, I think, 84 or something like that? Yes, I came here in 1984. So, uh, before you came in your, your own country, before you, you had to leave, uh, were you, what did you know of basketball at that time? And not that much. You know, I know a little bit, but, you know, not that much. And uh, because, you know... Uh, cricket is the big thing in uh, India, mm. and uh, uh, soccer, as they call football, those are the big things in India, but uh, uh, basketball is not. But now, move forward 24 years, basketball is going to be, basketball is being played there, and uh, uh, for information of everybody who's listening, for the first time, NBA will be playing their first ever game in Mumbai, India, on October 4th and 5th, between the two NBA teams, uh, Sacramento Kings and Indiana Pacers. Are you planning on being there? Of course, I'm going to be there. I'm going there, actually. Uh, I'm going there, uh, uh, flying there tomorrow for the next 10 days because NBA wants me to do some promotional work with, uh, with the game there with NBA India, you know, and uh, make sure that we... We make this game as uh, exciting and as uh, uh, popular as it is here. So this is the beginning of a new thing in India, and I'm so lucky and happy and humble to be a part of it, just like I was 24 years to be a part of the new beginning in Toronto, Canada, for the basketball with the Raptors. Here, on October 4th and 5th, we are going to be playing the first ever game in India, Mumbai. Now, hang on a second here. I know that you've recently been named the Global Ambassador for Basketball Canada, but you just mentioned the NBA and that they ha- have want you to be there for this, to start championing, I guess, their game over there in Mumbai. That, that's uh, that's a, another big step, I guess. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, yes, I've been announced the Global Ambassador for, uh, for uh, Canada Basketball, and we did the first game yesterday against Nigeria, which we won. And uh, the second game is playing, being played tomorrow in uh, Winnipeg. And I'm excited for the fans. And I want the fans in Winnipeg to be giving us support. And as a global ambassador for Canada basketball, I'm uh, going to utilize this at this time with you to request all the Canadians, all the Canadians listening, to support us in this uh, basketball journey with Canada basketball. We have won a championship with the Raptors, and now we 
we want to win a medal in the World Championship and in the upcoming Olympic next year for Canada. Mm. So please support us and give us your love and support as much as you can do in any way you can do. And let's make it happen for Canada. So, Nav, I have to ask you, what is your attraction to basketball? Uh, you know what? Basketball is the best sport on this earth. It's the most exciting sport on this earth. And when you are watching it right in the arena, you feel like a part of it. And the way NBA has made it into as the, the entertainment in it, in the timeout for two and a half hours, you forget about all your uh, stresses or anything going in your life negatively. You go there and you chill and you're in a different zone. That's what it has done to me. Because I don't have any other hobbies in my life other than watching basketball. And it has uh, worked very good for me, has kept me healthy and going. So I have to ask you, Nav, do you ever get out and shoot the hoops yourself? Uh, <laughs> You know, if I did, I would be in good shape. I don't. <laughs> I watch it. And with my work and other things, I, I, I'm not able to do that. But you know what? I still support this sport the most. And now I'm using this sport of basketball. The love I get from the people, all the kindness I get from all the people all over North America, I'm using it to bring the world together through my foundation, which I've just started, Napatia Superfan Foundation, and it is going to be building basketball courts in various areas, and that's what we want to do. We want everybody, all the kids, to play basketball, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, they might not become the NBA player, but it is gives them the discipline, and it's a joyful thing to do and stay away from the other negative things which these young people get through. Mm. Now, I know that over the years, one of the things that, that you were able to do uh, with the Toronto Raptors is actually bring in some cultural events uh, to, to show yes. some youth doing some performances and so, show some of yes. the beauty of, of the cultures that you're involved with. Yes, you know, that's what I'm talking about. That we brought, when I first started watching this game at the Sky Dome, it was in 95, we had hardly any South Asian or anybody with a turban watching the game. I was the only one and then another maybe handful of guys watching the game. But today, if you go to the arena, Scotiabank Arena, you see like over 3,000 people which are of South Asian uh, uh, descent and they are uh, enjoying and watching the game and they are people from all. It, it, this is the most diversified game because in 2000, uh, no, 1999, I started taking 3,000 kids to the game from different communities. And today you see the good results of it. You know, you see everybody from all all religions, all faith, all, you know, different colors coming to the game and enjoying and being one. And that's what the beauty of Toronto is, and that's what the beauty of Canada is. Well, I think that that's uh, part in part to the beauty of yourself, Nav. Uh, I don't think that would have been done had you not been involved with that process. Did you say three thousand kids you bring down? You brought down? Yeah, we, we used to. We used to. Now they don't have any tickets to bring anybody because mm. they're sold out for the last few years. <laughs> but during that time, there were a lot of tickets available. Uh, you know, I've been a part of the games, which uh, there were only seven or eight thousand people sitting in the arena. You know, mm -hmm. but I was still there till the end of the game. You know, but now there is hardly. It's so tough to buy. 
buy the tickets because everything is sold out. And there is a waiting list for two to three years to buy some tickets for the Raptors. Right. So I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but we here at Element FM, we are an indigenous-owned radio station. That means, of course, that we promote indigenous uh, yes. the indigenous people of Canada, the indigenous indigenous artists. And it is always, I think, heartening for us to see other people doing the same because I believe that we all need to see more of uh, of ourselves represented, uh, meaning that, uh, that Canada is, as you point out, uh, all these people coming together and the indigenous people of Canada uh, certainly were here uh, long before everyone else was and they certainly <laughs> deserve to be a part of this, this hey, country. Salute and- to you. Salute to you, kudos to you, and it is my bu- it, it is in my bucket list to build a basketball court in the indigenous uh, areas. Mm. That's what I want to do. I want to, you know, make sure that we show love and respect in that area so that the kids can play and deserve everything of that in that area also. Yes, you are right. You were, ma- you were here before anybody, any of us. So all that love and respect to you guys. Our guest today on Moment of Truth is Nav Batia, and he is, of course, uh, NBA. Well, I won't say NBA, but but he certainly is starting to represent more of the NBA, as you heard him mentioned. Uh, but he certainly is a Canada and Toronto's super uh, a tr- Raptors fan, and he's on the line with us. We appreciate his time for coming on the phone and, and sharing some thoughts with us. Now, Nav, as a, as, as a businessman, you've certainly uh, built yourself up as, as a, uh, a representative of, I believe, the Hyundai uh, organization. You own a couple of, uh, of, of uh, areas in yeah, the Toronto I, area. I own three dealerships, which are one of the biggest with God's grace, the dealerships in the country. Uh, you are right about that. And we have about 180 people who work with me. And, uh, you know, we are doing good. We are really blessed. And, uh, you know, uh, so things are going good. And that's why I want to, I decided in the last few years now to contribute to the community and the society because this country has given me everything I got today. Hmm. And, you know, um, it sounds to me from what I, what I see from, from what you've done and, and just that, that um, tenacity that you had to stick it out with the Raptors for all these years, going to every game, not missing a game, even uh, taking uh, your yourself into the... Uh, the hands of, of uh, breaking the laws. You tried to get to that one game uh, where you were going to be late and ended up with an escort. Um, that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was going to miss that one. And uh, luckily enough, the officer didn't give me a ticket and uh, he escorted me so that I could maintain my record. Well, I guess... But I wouldn't, it... but I wouldn't, but I wouldn't let anybody... I wouldn't advise or suggest to anybody to do that. I'm not going to do that myself. Right. And uh, so, you know, I, uh, I, I didn't want, I don't want you to sort of glorify that for me. That was the wrong thing I did. Right. I understand that. And you're absolutely correct. I don't want to glorify that moment for you either. It's just an interesting little uh, story that, that shows your dedication. Um, but also we have to put it in perspective, don't we? It is just a game. It is just a game, but this game has given me, like I said, so much, so much love from the from people of all different kinds, all different colors, all different faiths, all different religions, and all different genders. Mm. So I am, I am, so I am really blessed. I'm really blessed to be 
you know, a part of this game and part of this journey. Uh, Nav, I think what you just mentioned about love is something that uh, you obviously not only have for this game, but I think that your love of being a salesperson, uh, because it looks to me like your your larger uh, ability here is to be able to sell. You not only sell vehicles, you sell basketball, you sell everything you come in contact with, from what I see. Uh, well, let me tell you, I'm not selling anything there. I'm not trying to sell anything. All I'm trying to do is bring the world together, love each other, through this beautiful and exciting game of basketball. So then, okay, that takes me to another another point to make. It doesn't sound like you are selling anything. It, it is just, because it's not work for you, is it? Uh, you know what? I'm not a, I, you wouldn't, uh, let me tell you something, that when I go to the game, I don't go to the game. Uh, people sometimes ask me that, hey, did you know that you were going to be the super fan? No. I didn't know 24 years. You know mm. what super fan is. I just went there to enjoy my uh, two and a half, three hours and be with different people, integrate with the different communities, integrate with the different uh, you know people all around who come to the game of basketball. And it has resulted, God has blessed me and given what we have and uh, we have won the championship. There's only nine teams in the NBA who have won the championship and we are one of those nines and really blessed. So what do you think for the future then of the Raptors uh, now that Kawhi has left? Well, I, I, I respect what Kawhi did for the team. He was a big part of it, and uh, but he was not the only part. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball is a team sports. It doesn't happen just with one player. If it would have happened with one player, LeBron James wouldn't have gone to Miami to in search for the uh, the championships. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's more than one. And we had a good team. We were really blessed to have a good team. We have a good organization. We have a very inclusive organization. We have a good coaching staff. We have good players and. Moreover, we have the best fans in this league. And I can tell you that with authority because I've gone to every arena. This is the best, best of fans we have here in Toronto. Nav, I can't think of a better way to end off our conversation today than what you just said. So I'd like to say Nyawa Emigwetche for joining us here on the program today. Now, may I ask, please, how do you say thank you in your language? Uh, We say shukriya. Shukriya? Shukriya. Yes, you're right. Well, Shukriya for joining us here on the program today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, if any time you need to talk basketball, I am available. And like I said, uh, I want to. It's in my bucket list. It's my wish that one day I can build a basketball court in an indigenous area. And uh, I will. God will give me that opportunity to do that. And... Uh, Hopefully, I can uh, we can reach you or uh, reach out to you at that time to maybe discuss, and you can guide us in the right way. We appreciate that, and thank you, and wish you all the best in the future, and look forward to seeing more from you uh, in the news and uh, with basketball. Well, thank you, and with the last thing I'm going to request is I want everyone to please support Canada basketball. We are going to be playing in China next. Please support us in every way and form you can and watch our games, support our athletes, support our uh, organization. And one day our medal is going to be coming in the 
very near future because we have a lot of Canadian NBA players now, even those young kids who play in Europe or uh, other countries for uh, some professional leagues, they were there and putting everything they have on the court. So please, in the end, please support Canada, Canada basketball in any way you can. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been our pleasure, Nav. Thanks once again for joining us. That's Nav Batia. He is, of course, the Raptors super fan and now newly named Global Ambassador for Basketball Canada. And uh, we'll be sure to hear more from him. I want to say thank you to him for joining us on the line today. This has been Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Thanks for listening and see you next time. I also want to say Nyawa Miigwech Wanishi and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zaboken, Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain. Nyawa Miigwech and thanks for listening.